The epistle for this first Sunday of Lent is taken from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, we do exhort you that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense to any man that our ministry be not blamed, but in all things let us show ourselves as the ministers of God, and much patience, in tribulation, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in prisons, in seditions, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, in chastity, in knowledge, in long suffering, in sweetness, in the Holy Ghost, in charity unfeigned, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the arm of justice on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet known, as dying and behold we live, as chastised and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as needy yet enriching many, as having nothing and possessing all things. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the fourth chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And the tempter coming said to him, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Who answered and said, It is written, Not in bread alone does man live, but in every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him upon the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He has given his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest perhaps you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil took him up into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said to him, All these will I give thee, if falling down thou wilt adore me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, The Lord thy God shalt thou adore, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you faithful? When you go on a tour of a factory, you quickly see that there's two different conditions for the things that are being made there. There's the condition of the things that are incomplete and of those that are complete. For instance, if you go to a car factory, you'll see the whole factory line and everything that's on that line is in an incomplete state. It still needs parts in order to reach a state. The cars need parts so they can be in a position where they can actually be driven, whereas there's a smaller part of the factory for those cars that have rolled off the factory line and they're ready to go. They are in a perfect state. They don't need anything else to be added to them. And not only that, if you added things to those cars that were in a complete state, it's as if it would take away from them. That's the way things are that are in a perfect state. Um, not only do they not need anything extra, but if you do extra things to them, it takes away from their perfection. So if you added things to those cars that were already complete, it would just be dead weight 
or perhaps it would even be damaging to those cars. Whereas the cars that are in an incomplete state, they are lacking something. They are lacking something of perfection. They need things to come to them from the outside in order to complete them. And until that happens, until they receive those extra parts, they're fairly useless. They're, they're not ready to go for the purpose for which they're being made. Now, of course, we human beings are like the cars at the factory. As with the cars, there's a state for us where we are incomplete, and then there's another state for us when we're complete, when we're finished, when we've reached perfection. The state of incompleteness is our state during this life. It's simply a fact of our human condition that we're incomplete in this life and we're complete in the next life when we go to heaven. It's only then that we roll off, as it were, the line of life into the eternal beatitude of heaven. So being incomplete in this life is just simply part of our human condition. It's just part of the way that God has made us. He made the angels to be complete from the very first moment of their existence. You know that the angels, they don't have like a childhood and then an adulthood and then an old age. They, they don't grow old and they, they don't go to school. I mean, they, they receive knowledge from the very beginning of their existence and, and they, they don't need to be completed by, by learning. So they have a different mode of existence than human beings. Our mode of life is where we have to continually strive to complete ourselves. Like the cars on the factory line, we do not have in ourselves everything that we need. And in order to reach that state of completion, we need to draw in things from the outside to get things from the outside in order to reach our perfect state. We know that's certainly true with the body where we're, we're always taking in physically food and, and air and drink in, in order to either grow or sustain our body, well, it's all the more true for our spiritual life. And if we struggle, if, if we make this effort to um, take in the things that we need, to, to struggle to complete ourselves, then hopefully one day we will roll out of this life and into heaven where we will never again need anything to be added to us after we receive the beatific vision of God. Then there will be no more struggle, no more effort that's needed. So while in a way we are similar to the cars at the factory, in this state of incompletion, in another respect we are different. The cars in the factory are completely dependent upon the work of the factory workers in order to complete them. Uh, if the factory workers don't do anything, then the, then the cars are just sitting there in a state of incompletion and the cars are not going to be able to get the parts they need on their own. Whereas with us, we actually are able to make a contribution to our own completion. We are actually able to struggle in ourselves in order to reach our, our state of perfection. In both cases, you need to work. Work is needed. Um, it's not going to happen automatically. But in our case, the work is done partially by others, especially by the grace of God. He's the one, above all, that's the main agent in helping us reach our perfection and our completion. 
Yet, there's also work that is done by ourselves. Now, what we need to talk about today is how temptation plays a very important role in completing us spiritually. Believe it or not, the temptations that you receive in this life are meant by God to be instruments for you to reach your perfection and your completion in this life. And that's what we have to talk about, temptation as a means for making our souls more perfect. But first, I just want to mention a little side note. And that is that it's sort of a characteristic of modern man today that he refuses his human condition. He refuses this design by God where we simply have to struggle for our perfection during our life. Modern man does not want to accept the fact that he has to struggle to make himself perfect in this life. He prefers to say that he's already perfect and then just leave things at that. In all of today's language about tolerance and acceptance and accompaniment of others and so on, that's just modern culture's way of telling us that everyone is perfect the way that they are. No one in this life has to subscribe to a standard of perfection that is not set by himself, especially a standard of perfection that's set by God, by our own creator. You don't have to conform to some sort of goal that God sets for you. Rather, you can just decide for yourself what your perfection is and then live according to that if you choose to behave in a certain way or live a certain lifestyle, then you are perfect by the fact that you have made that choice. I've decided what my perfection is, and by the fact that I decided it, it is true. There's no need for me to conform to some goal outside of me set by someone else, even if that other person be the very one who's created me. Consider how much easier life would be if, if we had this power, if, if you could actually do that, if you could m- just by an act of your will make your own perfection. If you could say, I define perfection for me to be what I do. Therefore, I am perfect and I do not need to work for perfection in my life. I can now rest in my self-defined perfection until the end of my days. I'm all done. I can just rest. No more struggle in this life. It's all good. I'm perfect. That's a really big temptation, a temptation of pride and a temptation of laziness. But sometimes when I look at the modern world, I think there might be a predominance of laziness even over the pride. In other words, it's more the laziness that's driving the pride than the pride that's driving the laziness. The starting point is perhaps this lazy desire to say, I just don't want to work in this life. I don't want to struggle to perfect myself. I would rather just call myself good and be done with it. I want a God who loves me no matter what, who makes no demands on me, and who puts me in heaven after I've spent my entire life ignoring everything that he desired for me. That's the kind of God I want. And so that's the God I'm going to create and the God 
I'm going to worship in my religion, and my religion is going to make me happy about me doing whatever I want to do in this life. Well, my dear faithful, this sort of milk toast life, this life without personal struggle for perfection, is completely contrary to the type of life that is presented to us by Holy Mother Church, by St. Paul, and by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. By giving us this holy season of Lent, where we chastise our flesh and bring it into subjection, Holy Mother Church is telling us that we really have to struggle in this life. She's inviting us to really strive hard to perfect ourselves. She's pointing out to us that we are far from having reached a state of perfection and that we have to work in order to attain that state. And strange as it may seem, one of the most effective means for you to reach perfection is through the temptations that you receive in your life. Temptation is something that forces you to struggle for the good. It makes you fight. It makes you enter into a combat with evil. It makes you prove to our Lord Jesus Christ that you desire to be more faithful to him than to anything else in this world. You may wonder, why Why does God allow us to be tempted if he wants us to get to heaven, if he's good? Why doesn't he just always step in and push the world, the flesh, and the devil away? When temptation is such a danger for us, when it can make us fall and lose our souls, well, the reason is, is that God wants your perfection above everything else. And he's willing to take this risk that you be tempted so that you have the means to reach the perfection that he desires of you. Just like a parent, any loving parent, what they want to see is their child grow up and reach a state where they can take on life and be successful in life. So too, God, our loving Father, he wants us to grow up spiritually. He wants us to to attain this higher perfection for which he's created us, and he realizes that temptation is a powerful means for doing that. As long as he gives you the help that you need when you're tempted, then he's still being a good and loving father. He doesn't have to completely remove temptation in your life to be a loving father. He can allow temptation and give you the means to conquer temptation. And by that, again, like a good parent, by enabling you to conquer the struggles that you have, he can be the best father by helping you attain your fullness, your, to make you into a whole person. In the end, my dear faithful, there is simply, there is no victory without a battle. There is no crown for the warrior unless his life has been at risk and that he's demonstrated bravery in heading out to that risk and conquering. When you struggle against temptation and you refuse to give in, you defeat your self-love, you sacrifice yourself for a higher cause, and you earn for yourself supernatural merit that you will reap for all eternity. Whereas when you do nothing in this life, when you have no struggles, when you make no efforts for the good, when you're a spiritual couch potato, then you do not perfect yourself. You just remain your imperfect self, or worse, you become a progressively worse human being, a more flawed human being. So Holy Mother Church does not want you to be spiritually inert in your life 
like some sort of spiritual amoeba. And so she encourages you in your daily struggles. She gives you our life coach, St. Paul, to talk to us about fulfilling the will of God in the midst of the greatest difficulties of life. And St. Paul, as always, gives us a mega list, a monstrous list of things that he wants us to remain faithful of God in enduring. When you're getting whipped, when you're in prison, when you're caught in a riot, when you're staying up late to pray, when you're fasting, when there are coronaviruses around, or whatever it is, you've got to remain faithful to God and adhere to the good. He speaks to us about patience, sweetness, long-suffering, unfeigned charity, charity that's not fake, about wearing armor in our fight, the armor of our virtues in the midst of everything. And then we have this incredible example of our Lord. We see our Lord Jesus Christ himself struggling against temptation. We know that God obviously makes choices about what kind of incarnation he's going to have, what kind of life he's going to have when he comes on this earth. And he doesn't come on this earth and say, that's all right, I've got it all, I'm taking care of it all. Don't worry, you don't have to struggle anymore. But rather, he sets himself in his example. He wills to take on our own infirmity. He wills to undergo this attack by one of his own creatures, the devil, in order precisely to strengthen us in our temptations in our life. Our Lord knew about our temptation to laziness. He knew that we have such this strong desire to slough off the challenge of the life that we have of our human condition. And so he took on that human condition. He took on a state where he could be attacked from the outside, where he could experience temptation in the same way that we experience temptation. As a result, when we, when we see him not eliminating the combat, but entering into the combat, we are encouraged to fight our battles. We see our Lord himself fighting the temptation, and we're strengthened by his example to put up a good fight in our own lives. We are also made aware that temptation is not an anomaly in this life. If our Lord, who is holiness itself, is tempted, if even he is tempted by the devil, then which one of us in this church today can expect it not to be tempted? You must expect temptation. The temptation of our Lord shows that. Temptation is not a mistake in your life. You will be tempted because even our Lord, who is perfection itself, was tempted. No matter how holy you are, every single one of you will be tempted in this life. Hopefully, we'll also have a greater confidence to have recourse to our Lord when we see that he's tempted. We realize that he experienced the same thing that we experience. We have a greater confidence in his mercy, that he will have compassion on us in our human condition. He knows what it's like to be tempted because he himself underwent temptation. And so he will have sympathy for us when we're tempted and he will have mercy on us when we fall. And then by our Lord's example, we also know how to go about fighting temptation. We're not to listen to the false arguments of the devil. 
and when he tempts us to concupiscence, vainglory, or pride, we have to be strong in resisting him. We have to not be under any delusions when he whispers in our ears. We have to rest on the principles of our faith no matter what and oppose his deceit with those principles, remain firm in those principles. These are the four reasons that St. Thomas gives as to why our Lord underwent temptation. First of all, to strengthen us in fighting temptations. Secondly, to show us that temptation is a part of our life. Thirdly, to show us how to fight temptation when it comes. And then fourthly, to give us confidence in our Lord's mercy towards those who are tempted. So my dear faithful, it's just a fact of our human condition that we are imperfect and incomplete in this life. We can ignore this fact and do nothing to perfect ourselves, or we can fight against this fact and always try to claim that we are perfect just the way that we are, or we can take the responsibility for our human condition and face its challenge. We can listen to this call of Holy Mother Church to rise to the challenge of our human condition, to hear the voice of St. Paul, to see this incredible example of our Lord, and do all that we can to cooperate with the grace of God and keep up this struggle throughout our life. Whenever you're tempted in this life, if you're tempted by pride, if you're tempted by anger, by impurity, by self-pity, by discouragement or depression, by greed or gluttony, by any evil whatsoever in all of your temptations in this life, look upon our Lord Jesus Christ in his struggle with the devil. Draw strength from our Lord. His grace is there for you at every moment in this life if you would only draw from it. Do not fail to call upon him. It was he himself who told us that we have to struggle. This is what we must do in our life. We cannot escape it. In this life, it is only the violent who capture heaven, who bear away the eternal prize. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.